0: we have uh, been walking through that over the last couple of weeks and we're gonna dive into the next part. As we do that, um, I was reminded this week and, and you'll kind of figure out where all this is going eventually. But uh, in in looking over uh, Ephesians chapter two, the last part where we're going to be today, I was reminded of the Olympics, and uh, and I'll tell you why. I've always been into the Olympics, even growing up. I'd watch the the summer and the winter Olympics, and uh, intrigued by by new sports. Maybe I wasn't ready or wasn't wasn't uh, didn't know about too much, as well as the ones that I did. And I was also into video games. Um, nothing like what's around today, but um we had a Commodore 64 computer. Anyone want to yeah, c- a couple of you, right? I see that hand. Um, we had the cassette player that would load cassette player. I, I should have had a picture of one because uh, it's an antique now. But uh, uh you would actually load programs onto the computer with the cassette player. We we upgraded eventually to the five and a half inch floppy, which, you know, you Coasters now, really, but um, uh, anyway, EA Sports was a was a whole new thing back then, and uh, they released uh, the Summer and Winter Olympic Games. Go ahead and go to that. These pictures, I I get a little misty eyed when I look at these, because it's um, this was this was life at its finest in the rider home. We'd get the Atari controller that had one. The joystick sticking up in one button. You remember that? And, uh, I'd get some calluses and blisters maybe in here and, and on the, the little button hitter button, uh, thumb. But anyway, you, you had the, the summer and the winter Olympic games. You had javelin. Uh, you had the, uh, the, uh, pole vault. That one was tricky because you had to hit it the right time to get it. To come in, and then you had to hit, and then, well, I'm, Sorry that I remember all that, but um, uh, anyway, we, all that, all that uh, we had, you know, you could do the ski jump and the pole vault, you had the, the gymnastics girl doing the, the vault, and that was, that was just tricky. It's, it's especially tricky when you're working with little squares, right? And uh, it's not really, it's not 3D, it's, you know, all those kinds of things. So, so so that's fun. I don't know, do we have a slide after this? Because that'll distract me if that stays up there. So, um, okay, good. Yeah, that's good. One thing those, uh, those video games didn't have that the ABC television coverage of the Olympics did have was a, was a little segment that they called Up Close and Personal. I don't know if anybody else remembers this. I, I'm not sure why I remember this, but, but they, would, they would talk about a certain athlete or team, and then they would go to the uh, video, as, as Jim McKay would, would, would say in the background, uh, let's get to know him, Up Close and Personal. He said it much better than I did, but it. And then you'd see the three-minute video uh, segment of of uh, you know interviewing them, maybe in their home, maybe uh, watching them as they're uh, they're they're working out and getting ready for the games and all those sorts of things. And and, uh, and I, I read a little bit about that this week. Uh, they they actually started those segments uh, before the 1972 games, and uh, they they do a little background on some of the most famous athletes. And and, and actually, as as they prepared for, so over the years, then by 1988. Uh, ABC had prepared 82 of those little segments So that throughout their coverage of the Olympics they could, We could get to know these athletes and these teams Up close and personal and, uh, and so they, they would look into the It was kind of cool to, to get to the, I mean some of them were pretty obscure And, and nowadays you know you've got all this stuff, We know about all of them before the games even start And, and they do some of these and it's just kind of common But it, it kind of has its roots in this, in this whole thing uh, It was kind of cool to, to kind of pull back, back the curtain so to speak And, to, and to, to find out about these people Up close And personal So Today we're continuing in the book of Ephesians and all that will make sense in just a second because uh, this summer it's, it's kind of a, uh, an overview of this letter, right? And, and so we're not necessarily walking verse by verse, that would take us six months or Maybe even a year to walk through the uh, the, the pertinent verses of, of this, uh, the, this 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 uh, great book, this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. Uh, but but we're taking kind of the the overview approach, and and so we we uh, covered chapter one a couple of weeks ago, and and uh, and then last Sunday was the first part of chapter two, and and we said that that one word that really kind of sums it all up as we look at the book of Ephesians. It's all about identity, about who we are or who God says that we are, uh, and, and uh, who who are we as we're following Christ? What, what is our identity? Um it- Chapter one was full of identity language. God says that we're blessed and we're chosen, we're redeemed and we're holy. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, it's it's uh, quite a list there, and and we we uh, we we looked into a lot of that uh, last week. We found out that we are God's handiwork, God's masterpiece. We are lovingly created uh, by our Creator God, and we we used to be dead in sin, but now we're alive in Christ, and and it's a it's a a, a gift of love and and grace, and and uh, we can't really catch you up on all that if you miss those things but you can you can log on to the 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 page on our on our website and get those podcasts and and uh, listen to those if you want to catch up but today we' we're, we're as i said we're going to jump into the middle of chapter two beginning in verse eleven uh, i i'd encourage you it's only six chapters long this whole book uh, and, and so if man if you would just read through the whole thing maybe once a week uh, it might take you a whole twelve minutes right and uh, and and just to continue to get be filling yourself with this uh, as we as we walk through this this book uh, but in starting in verse eleven here the eleven to twenty two the last half of chapter Two, Paul is specifically addressing two main categories of people who, who made up the church in, uh, in, in Ephesus. Uh, he, talk, he was talking to the Jews, and he was talking to the Gentiles, two main people. And, and actually, that just means everybody, because if you weren't a Jew, the chosen people of God, then you were a Gentile, which is everybody else so as so paul's talking to all but but uh, Paul's uh, been been t- ministering to he'd, he'd always start out uh talking in the the jewish church in the synagogue and uh trying to convince the jews of of jesus and that he was the messiah and, and then uh if and when they would uh maybe uh some of them would, would drift away then paul would, would would shift to the the gentiles and would reach out to them was convinced that, that that was the the main ministry that god had given him and so so uh so when we read this and maybe there are some with with Jewish heritage, but uh, I would guess the vast majority of us here today, um, when, when Paul's talking about Gentiles in this passage we're going to read, uh, he's talking about those who aren't Jews, which is probably us, right? So, uh, so, so as you hear that, uh, as, you, as you see that in here, uh, we're, we're, Paul is, is addressing all of us. Ephesians 2.11, Therefore remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who called themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Up close and personal seems to be better. I've been to baseball games where I sat in the upper decks, and I've also been to games where I've been in the front row right behind home plate. Closer was better. I'm just saying. Uh, I've, I've been to rock concerts at, at arenas And I've been in the far back corner And up in the, in the nosebleed section I've also been almost as close as the mosh pit And believe it or not Although maybe I wouldn't say it today At the time mosh pit was better Okay I maybe wouldn't say that today I'm not sure Maybe if I had earplugs or something Oh no I'm not that old uh, I'm old enough that I just have lost my hearing now So I, it doesn't matter, right? Um, I've been to school concerts with my, with my kids And I've had to sit in the back and try to zoom in To, to get a, a blurry, fuzzy picture of, of, uh, of my kid Who's singing or playing an instrument And, and I've also been on the front row and, uh, of their magical performances And I've been able to enjoy that And closer was definitely better I've sat in classes in the back Some of which maybe in this guy's class right here at Mount Vernon years ago, um, where I, sure, I did not sleep at all, but was very concentrated on what was, no, I've I've sat in the back in class and I've sat in the front in class. And although I'd love to say that I, that it was just as good in the back, um, I have to say that when I was in the front, I was less distracted and learned more, uh, through that, through that closer was better. Uh, I've had times in, in my marriage where things were strained and tense And you could probably describe it as distant No, never, right? I've also had times, many times, so many times When, when things are great and in rhythm and we're close and we're growing together And I definitely can tell you that up close is certainly a whole lot better as I think about this whole uh, up-close-is-better thing, the only exception that I can come up with is um, uh, when I sat on the front row at the uh, Shamu show at SeaWorld in what they termed the Splash Zone, and I got soaked. Although at the time, I thought that was awesome! As a tenure, I, I, later on, I even had the privilege of holding the fish up over the thing, and the dolphin came up, and it, I mean, that was... Uh, closer was definitely Better. Verse 13 in this passage is kind of the central theme, or it's where everything kind of hangs on, so to speak. Uh, In Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Closer is better. It wouldn't have been out of the ordinary for the Gentiles to think of themselves as far away from God. They were not God's chosen people. That was the Jews. They knew that. They didn't really even know the Old Testament laws, let alone follow them. But, but the main thrust of, of Paul's ministry was to let the Gentiles know that because of Jesus, they were no longer, they no longer had to stay far away and distant, they could come near. Funny thing, though, as we read this passage, Paul isn't saying, well, yeah, come near like the Jews are near. Uh, basically, he's saying that the Jews really didn't get it either, that although they followed the, the Old Testament law, that, that wasn't really enough to win them good standing with God. Even though they may have been following some external rules and laws, their hearts weren't turned to God, and they were actually far away, too. So one thing that Paul is saying here is that because of Jesus, we shouldn't be distinguishing between groups in the kingdom of God. We're all part of the body of Christ as he invites us to come near. We're all one. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, he has brought us peace, it says. Peace between groups of people and peace between God and humanity. It's one reason why we have uh, uh, people, uh, missionaries and others like, uh, like Dan and others that we have on a regular basis through our church, uh, to, to 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 recognize that, that that our God is a global God, and, and it's not just that He came for a certain segment of people. I think a lot of times we we uh, come to church and think that the American church is God's chosen people. Uh, we're we're all in the same boat. We're all distant until God has invited us near uh, through the through the blood of Christ Jesus, and and that is the case as uh, you know as Dan has shared through uh, through the, the ministry that they have and, and uh, collecting people from literally all over the world to uh, to learn about and and to uh, to to minister, go out and minister then to to recognize that God is inviting all of us to come near through the blood of Christ we are all one body under one spirit and we're following Jesus because he has brought us peace peace with God and peace with each other seems like we're uh, we're searching for peace these days peace seems seems hard to find with uh, with levels of anxiety higher than ever uh, suicide rate on the rise a whole lot of other things we need peace Verse 14 tells, doesn't just say that Jesus brings peace. It says Jesus is our peace. No matter the circumstances that we face, we can have internal peace. Because we have peace with God, we can have peace with ourselves and peace with, with the circumstances of our lives and peace with the people around us. So there's, there's no distinction between nationalities in the eyes of, of God uh, because of Jesus. There, there's no Jew and Gentile. It's not that some are closer to God than others or some have more access to God than others. Uh, it says here that there are no foreigners and strangers. We're all citizens of the kingdom of God, part of God's holy Family this would have been some radical stuff uh, for the for the Gentiles to hear well for all any of them to hear because historically the Jews were were not all that fond of the Gentiles and it kind of went both ways Uh, I mean there were non-Jews who followed Jesus but they were only allowed to get so close literally they were kept distant. In the temple in Jerusalem, there's a, there, there was an outer uh, court called the court of the Gentiles, and the Gentiles could come and be around the temple, but they couldn't. They could come only that far and no farther. The, the, the law allowed for non-Jewish people to uh, to come up, but they they literally there was a wall. It was about five feet tall. They tell us that that, uh, that that they could come to, and that was the definition of where the the court of the Gentiles stopped, and they couldn't go any further. Go ahead to that next slide. Um, this is actually a sign. That uh, that was in that wall, and, and they they believe they've uncovered a, a couple of these or partials uh, that that were in that wall, and, and I don't know anybody. Uh, you had them doing math. Maybe I can get them to read Hebrew, um, but uh, <laughs> or Greek, I think that is. Uh, but um, I'll I'll save you the trouble. Uh, this is actually on uh, on display in uh, in an archaeology museum in Istanbul. And uh, translated, it says this. This, So this would have been in that wall, five feet tall. Uh, The Gentiles could come this far, but no further. The temple is in there. God's presence is in there. Uh, God's people offer sacrifices, all that. But the Gentiles, if you're not a Jew, you can only come this far. And this sign is in the wall. It says, no man of another nation to enter within the fence and enclosure around the temple. And whoever is caught will have himself to blame that his death ensues. Kind of... uh, Kind of some pretty serious stuff. The Gentiles were kept far away. They were distant. Jesus, Paul says, that because of Jesus, those who have been far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Literally, those who were far away are now invited. this was this was some radical stuff that we don't necessarily catch on to uh, but now before there was the temple there was the portable temple the the, 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 the tent version go ahead yeah, there it is and uh, and this was when they were in the uh, uh, this was the tabernacle and they're in the in the wilderness and, and uh, Moses is leading the, the Hebrew people out of egypt and and you know it only took him forty years because they yeah, it's a whole other story it was, it was a big thing but but as they're out there in the wilderness they had this traveling temple this traveling. Church that went went with them and uh, and and uh, so they would they would uh, uh, this is where where God's presence dwelt but but even at that so this is in the middle of, of where they would camp and then they would be camped around but there would be distance uh, between the the just the common regular folk and uh, and and this place and only Moses and a few uh, of the the special priests were allowed to uh, to to be in this in this place so 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 this tabernacle was where God. God's presence dwelt with his people but even at that time the Jews were kept distant or far away from the tabernacles all that changed however radical stuff when Jesus came right the first christmas and and uh, and Jesus comes as a as a little baby and and uh, born in a manger for all people and John 1:14 it says that Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us another way to translate that Jesus pitched his tent with us I guess some have made up a word and I and I like it. Uh Jesus was tabernacling with us. Okay? His his presence wasn't just in this distant tent out there somewhere, but now he's pitched his tent with us, uh in our midst, right together. And and so we have access to uh, to Jesus. He's tabernacling with humanity. Jesus has made it possible for all of humanity to have access to God. And so those who are far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And we could we could stop right there and we should we can celebrate and we should celebrate, but but it gets even better because not only is the, the barrier wall torn down so that no one is excluded and everyone has access to God and his love and grace. But 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 in Ephesians 2, uh, it says that you and I, here in this this last verse in this passage, it says uh, not only that Jesus has come and made his dwelling among us, but it actually literally says that that Jesus isn't just among us he's within us you and I are the tabernacle verse 22 uh, in him you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit you who once were far away have been brought near, uh, not only so you can uh, that, that you can get close to God, but he's literally living inside of us by his spirit. The The progression is amazing from, from no access to God to, to to limited, distant access to God to Jesus coming and pitching his tent with us, among us, to literally having the accessibility of the Holy Spirit living within us. You see that those who were far away, not those, us, we, who were far away who were kept at a distance who didn't have access to God the progression God has always been moving toward us and so now we can be tabernacling or God is tabernacling within us so all this uh, what does all this have to say about identity I think it has a lot to say about identity, and I think it changes. the The, the whole point of all of this, as we read through Ephesians, as we're reading it with the lens through the lenses of who am I, what is my identity in Christ? Well, it, it changes. If if I believe certain things about myself, then I'm it's going to change how I live. And and so, if uh, it, what does this say about our identity? If we're following God, this says if we're if we've accepted His love and grace, if we believe that that Jesus died for our sins, if Jesus' blood on the cross, His death and His resurrection if we're applying that to our lives, then you are the dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. That's who you are. Our identity. You see how that would change something? If I believe that or if I don't believe that, if I believe that God's Holy Spirit is literally uh, dwelling within me or, uh, yeah, I try to follow God if and when I can. It's, it's a completely different. If we're living out of that identity, it changes everything. It's, and actually, it's not just who you are. This says it's who we are. Almost always in the Bible, the, the you is plural, uh, because it was, a, it was a relational society. And, and, and so, so we're being, it says we're being built together as the church, and that God's dwelling is within us together. If you've ever... Um, Built something, maybe you've gone to the hardware store Or the lumber yard And you needed to to, uh, uh, get some stuff To build some stuff I think that's a good thing on Father's Day To talk about building stuff I can't really do the grunt thing very well But but I have built a few things in my day. And it used to be I'd show up, and I don't know who showed Early on, I, I, I learned that, uh, that you don't just grab the top two-by-fours off the pile and throw them on the, the little cart and take them up to the front. you gotta be, you got to kind of be uh, selective. And so you go to that bin that has the two-by-fours in it, and, and you take one out, and you look it over, and maybe it has a couple of splits in it. Or I, I, yeah. You really look cool in the aisle of Home Depot, or I mean Lowe's, sorry, Lowe's. When, uh, when, when you, uh, you got a couple of Lowe's guys in here, right? Uh, when you, uh, you pick that up, you know, and you, you eyeball it, and you see it going, you, what you thought looked straight in the bin all of a sudden it has this big thing on the end, right? And it's all bowed out. I don't know what they do. But you, maybe you can tell me what they do with those things. Do they, you know, they turn them into something else maybe? I don't know. But but you, you see that, maybe it's bowed or maybe it's split or maybe it has t- too many knots in it or whatever it is. You, you look at that and you go, ah, that's not going to do. And you kind of throw it on the back of the pile and you pull the next one out and you look that one over and, and uh, you find one that's, that looks like it's going to be good. Then you put it on your, your cart and you go to the... And you, you, go through that process to find the best materials in order to do the job it seems to me that God builds things a little differently because he takes us you and me as his building materials even those of us who may have been discarded or thrown far away and he picks us up and he brings us near And he's using us to build a place where he can live. Where he can live out. Where we can live out of his spirit within us. Who are you? Who are you? You're not thrown out. You're not excluded. You're not kept at a distance. You've been brought near. You are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I want to challenge you to um, to be thinking this week how that's going to make a difference in your life. If you really are committed to following God and and his spirit, you've invited his spirit to, uh, to live within you. You are, you are, uh, you are uh, in his family and you're accepting his offer to not be uh, kept at a distance but to be brought near. That, that, that his spirit is, is, is living uh, in you. How are you going to let him make a difference in your life? Father God, we offer ourselves to you. Broken, <laughs> we, we sang about it, broken pieces. Scattered and shattered and yet you fill us with your treasure, your presence, your spirit. Lord, I, I pray that, that you will make all the difference in our lives, uh, not just this week, but in, in every day as we, as we live our lives in... in um In our families, in our jobs, in in our neighborhoods, wherever you take us, Lord, I I pray that we can recognize, it. we can know, that we can begin to understand who we are, our identity in you, that that we are being built together to be a dwelling, a a place where you are tabernacling, your presence is filling us. We want to allow you to make all the difference in our lives. We want to get out of the way and let you work. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us in, a, in the, the, the quiet times that we have with you this week as we, as we uh, uh, take the time to gather with you and with your word today. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would whisper acro- across our soul what you want to do in us and, and maybe some things that, that need to change so that you can have uh, full reign in our lives. Lord, we thank you that you want to know us up close and personal, thank you that, that 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 you desire to fill us with your spirit, and that you desire to make a difference in the world through us as the vessels, the, the building, the 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 the, temper, the temple, the tabernacle, where you dwell. Lord, I, I'm excited about uh, about what you are going to do in each one of our lives this week, and through each one of our lives, and the lives of the people around us. Lord, I I, uh, I we anticipate great things. Lord, we thank you for the, uh, the amazing days that, that we have with you. We pray that you would use us and work in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.